Pod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. My name is Kevin Fandel, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today, I'm joined by Kristen Chambers. She's the founder and president of DA Luxury Travel and a highly successful and well-established career professional. And she'll talk about her career path, how she got into the travel field, some of the changes that have been taking place in the field, and how she's building a very successful and niche-focused travel business in the greater Boston area. Kristen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, so let's just start, in a sense, at the beginning. How and why did you decide to pursue a career in travel? Um, it's it, it was almost you know by accident. You know, I've always had a love for travel. Um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to live in London for a little bit in college, and so um, that inspired something. And I went on to study, uh, my field of study um, for my undergrad was in marketing and um, textile science. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my first ideal position would have been, you know, being an international textile buyer and traveling all the, all over the world for importing and exporting. Yeah. Um, I worked in that corporate field for about a year. decided uh, right out of school decided I needed a little bit more education and decided to pursue uh, a graduate degree in international marketing Um, somehow there did the first year in the textile world did it did it offer you the travel that you would hope for, or or not so much? It did. I, I, I was in there for about a year before I realized very quickly that there was um, I would need to you know go back to school and um, the mass market corporate field wasn't exactly the niche I was looking for. Um, so I had decided to go back to to, to graduate school, and um, I found myself living um, out on. Nantucket Island before, where I, long story short, decided to stay for the next eight years. Oh, my <laughs> so, nice. um, yeah, which was great. Yeah, I moved out there for some and ended up staying out there for eight years. Wow. So, okay. um, you know, my my career path took a, a serious shift. And and um, so, what were the career? What was the career context while you were on Nantucket? Yeah. Uh, well, when I decided to become a full time resident, um, the local travel agency was hiring. Oh, okay. Um, and you know, it's very ser- service oriented um, on the island. So oh, finding okay. that you know nine to five year round is difficult. But I. Um, applied and got a job in my early 20s at a travel agency on Nantucket. Nantucket. (laughs) I love travel. I was intrigued and um, it was a storefront travel agency and there I spent the next few years. So very early in your career you you were in the profession very early in your career Mm -hmm. and um, in probably a fairly traditional and deeply rooted business in the travel in the travel world yes yep they had been in business um for for a long time very well established um had some very loyal clients um it was a very transactional position um and it that was their business model and it worked they were very successful but you learned the basics you learned the fundamentals i think i an an incredible amount you know you learned about um you know the the global distribution system and the airline inventory and you know yeah. hotel yeah. specs and you know all the all the you know kind of nitty gritty mm-hmm. of of that and um, the operational side of it and all the software that is still the same software that everyone uses today just yeah. in a little more of an upgraded way. So it was a it was an incredible foundation. Nice. So in in your earlier life, did you do? Uh, much personal and family travel and how important is one's early life personal travel is that's as best as I can mm-hmm. frame it how important is that to um, 
an early career perspective on being a travel professional? Um, you know, my family was always any, you know, we never went and sat on a beach. It was always something educational and immersive. Oh, you know, okay. it was, let's go up to Quebec City and, you know, learn a little bit of French and eat the French food. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. let's go down to Williamsburg. So everything, you know, pack the car up and with family of five and we were going to do educational stops along the way so yeah. there was always takeaways from our from our family vacations in addition to the memories that you create right. um right. so it was tra it was clearly travel in a sense i mean it wasn't exactly. globe trotting travel but it was exactly. it was um substantive travel exactly you know? okay. exactly nice. um and then, you know, in addition to that, when I, I think my first job in hospitality was at 15 in a very formal restaurant setting. So <laughs> you've, you've got that paired with, you know, a very um, formal hospitality setting. And mm -hmm. so from, from the very, very beginning, hospitality was kind of all I knew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's so. great. That, that's a great way to have a foundation for starting. Yeah. Exactly. If someone is thinking of, of going into the travel profession, are there certain, just licensing certifications? Tell us about that landscape of kind of table stakes or price of entry and what's, is anything legally required or is it just essential for one's professional credibility and reputation? To answer that question, what it was 10, 15 years ago is has, has shifted immensely to what that to what that might be now. Okay. Um, you know, I spent some time transitioning out from the, the storefront setting um, you know, I, I did the independent contractor mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. model for a little bit. I worked for um, a couple other small to medium-sized businesses trying to figure it out, um, which gave me a lot of exposure to how small and medium businesses were run. So, um, you know, from a law firm to the travel agency to a high-end event production company on the island, um, I was able to, I think, learn a lot about, from an operational standpoint, how small to medium-sized businesses were run. Right. Um, I think having that um, first and foremost is, is very important, whether or not you come from you know, corporate, like a, a very large firm, or if you come from a small, medium size, um, or if you haven't been in the re-entering the workplace after a while, um, I think having a sense of how operationally something's run is very important. It's gonna, yeah. Um, but as far as a licensing standpoint and certifications and training, um, the industry has changed a lot. You know, um, way back over de a decade or two ago, there was the Travel Institute, the Travel Academy. You could go. Um, and you know either a two-year or just going online and getting your your degree as they call it that really has all changed because um, the role of the travel agent has really shifted into the role of the travel advisor and travel designer hmm. um, which is now a very less transactional more high touch more concierge more white glove service to clients wow. um, and that's really the numbers and the data shows that's really um, there's a high high demand for it um, so I think from um, if you're entering in and you say okay I want to be a travel advisor you know, what's next um, I think definitely getting um, partnered with a very well reputable travel uh firm yep. that has a strong affiliation such as Virtuoso. There's a couple others too. We're personally affiliated with Virtuoso. Um, those resources are incredible to, for starting off. Tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about what Virtuoso is. So Virtuoso is a global, um, it's a global affiliation. And what it is, it's a um, network of the most highest regarded travel 
partners in the world, you know, anywhere from ad, uh, travel advisors um, into their respective agencies to hotels to uh, destination management partners um, to tourism boards to transfer companies, wow. private airlines, uh, wow. private aviation is. So you have to be very, you have to be vetted. Um, it's a lengthy process. Um, so once you're in the virtuoso network, though, it's the the resources are incredible. They're they're I very see. immense. It's almost like a big travel family. Everyone's hmm. incredibly hmm. supportive of each other. What I would recommend to someone who's looking to just start off as a travel advisor, get their feet wet, is to um, in, seek out a travel firm that has uh, that virtuoso affiliation. Right. Um, you know they. It's what we call independent contractors. Um, you work under the umbrella of that um, travel firm that's affiliated with Virtuoso. And mm -hmm. that really mm -hmm. is the most strategic way, I would think, to get nice. in um, as a travel designer. And a lot of those um, travel um, agencies will have mentorship programs, okay. certification yeah. programs. Yeah. Virtuoso even has certification programs. They've got a whole academy online. Oh. Um, for niche if you want to get into a specific pocket. In real estate, there's you know, a real estate agent, and then there's a broker. There's different levels of what, yep. what you can do in mm -hmm. the field, transactions you can you can culminate. Mm -hmm. um, is is that mirrored in the travel world? Is there, any, is there any bounding in that regard with travel professions? There is, and there's so many different spaces within the travel, so it's, it's you know, but there is a, a CTA, Certified Travel Advisor. Uh, okay. um, and that is like the very entry level. You really get a good overview. Um, you get some destination training, and then you can spin off and get your niche. You can figure out if you want to specialize in a particular region or particular mm. travel style. Mm. Um, and then there's CTC. I got my CTC about 10 years ago. Um, certified Travel Consulate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. so it's kind of the next step up. Yeah. And so for those, um, especially on the hotel and the more on the executive side, those certifications are very you know necessary. Um, you know the industry is evolving a little bit we are now living here in Boston you have Johnson and Wales you have BC they're having travel and tourism majors now oh. that's coming back in a big way and huh. we're very excited to see that um, so now colleges are bringing back their travel and tourism mm. majors in colleges which is great so now you have that whole resource as well just to kind of finish up in the kind of the early career phase what do you remember being like, yes, this is the right field for me, or this is good work. What do you remember being rewarding in the early days? Um, <clears throat> you know, I started I started Day Luxury Travel, it'll be 11 years in 2019. Mm. Um, and, you know, you start off with a niche. You know, I think you really have to. It's such a, it's a vast industry, and there's so much of it. Everyone always talks about <laughs> it. It's not, yep. you know. Um, and so I think one of the things that was uh, very rewarding is the opportunity to really um, collaborate with people from all over the world. Um, you know, you might be working with a partner in Greece, a hotelier in Greece, or a, a, a local DMC, as we call them, destination management okay, <laughs> companies. Yep. Thank you for the um, uh, acronym. You know, in, in Greece, and so you, it, it's con you're constantly learning, and you get so much out of it. It's not like a one-sided. It's not so much. You've got your parameters. You've got your process in which you book. The, 
book and yeah. design travel. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I absolutely love and what has really kept the momentum for me is that you're constantly learning about these mm. destinations you're working with from a history standpoint, from a culinary standpoint, from a cultural standpoint. Right. Um, and so it can be overwhelm- overwhelming, but at the same time, it's it can be very rewarding as well. Um, and the industry is, is always changing. So different yeah. travel styles and how people are sourcing travel. Um, and, you know, working with clients first and foremost, as I said, I started in hospitality when I was 15. It's really all I've known. You right. know, I've got a nurture. I got that nurturing instinct <laughs> and that um, yeah. kind of really intuitiveness in working with people. And it's, you know, there's no good feeling when you're setting up experiences and they come back and it shifts, you know, it's mm. like what transformative travel is, experiential travel. You mm. go somewhere, you come back and something something changed and you know in a good way right. and to to That's be a right. part of that and be able to share all of that information that is very rewarding yeah. i mean you you stepped right into the uh you know the, the starting of the business in 2007 um just another couple minutes on that so what what told you like i can do this this is the time um in about that 2005 to 2007 is when online travel agencies were just saturating the internet you know you have you can go online and book your own travel and in 2007 it's when i said ding ding well Hmm. a lot of traditional travel agencies were closing down i said i'm gonna start one everyone thought i was nuts (laughs) like you're entering yeah. a dying industry, huh. and um, but the contrarian view in so many business situations is where the gold mine is. Like, it, nice. it was, and I don't think any. And I think a lot of people did see it, but a lot of people were kind of not wanting to to touch it. <laughs> and I just, I saw this as you know, I was going through a transitional shift, and you know, my personal life, and I had a strong passion for travel. Um, and I did not want to get on the corporate side of travel. I wanted to stay really on the leisure side. We do some corporate retreat design, but kind of really on like the thoughtful, meaningful side of travel, not yeah. the transactional side of travel. Yeah. Um, and I always had in the back of my mind, I think it's great that consumers have so many resources online if they want to book a very straightforward, you know, easy vacation hotel booking. But what about those clients? And these clients have been from working with high-end high end event production to the hospitality business. There are those clients that want the high touch. They want the meaningful travel. Mm. Um, you mm. can't, you know, your travel itinerary is not an algorithm. You're traveling with your family to the Galapagos. It's not punch in this numbers and then it's going to spit out an itinerary. Right. Um, right. There's always going to be that human connection. That's such a crucial component of designing travel. Um, and I saw that now 11 years ago and it was a slow turnaround you Mm. know as far as how consumers view and respect the role of the travel advisor Um, but now we are seeing so many people entering being you know raising their hands okay now I want to be a travel advisor I get it you know and um, again still online mass market travel is um, a great resource for those that just want a quick you know you know inexpensive deal or they may you know find some inspiration there but um to work with somebody who really knows and understands your style, your family style, um, it's a continuing relationship, and that that pocket of the industry is really booming right now. So. Just picking up on a couple of things that we've already talked about, I what I'm hearing is that perhaps the you know the travel you did with your family, mm-hmm. you know, substance mm-hmm. I called it substantive. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what the best word is, but substantive travel, the way you're wired just with the consultative and reading people and kind of understand what they're saying between the lines as they talk about their travel aspirations, 
and having worked in a, you know, well-grounded, fundamentally sound and respected travel, you know, uh, you call it storefront mm -hmm. travel agency mm -hmm. for what you had all those foundational pillars, mm -hmm. um, and I think that what what our listeners can learn is if they if they look within themselves for those preparation pieces and those foundational pillars. Um, it just takes, it does take a little bit of a deep breath and some mm -hmm. courage to, you know, to develop those incorporation papers and launch the business. But right. if you have those those other elements in your background, it can really work. And you had insight into the evolution of the market and you kind of went back to the higher touch mm -hmm. and the niche market that might be uh, not so enamored with the with the internet norm that had emerged. Right, nice. It, nice. it it was, and you know you get tunnel vision when you when you have an idea and you zone in, and you know I did have people say, well, you know, have you thought about this career path? Have you thought about this career path? Eleven years ago, there's still time to change your career path, and I said, it's going to swing back around. I know it, and it was, you know, I it what what I did to propel you know success in the beginning years when. Um, you know, you're still trying to get your business off the ground was um, just, you know, really understanding, um, you know, staying true to your to your initial vision. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, where I started the business 11 years ago and where it is now from a business model standpoint is, is definitely different. You evolve and you change. Uh, okay. um, you learn about what consumers like and what they respond to best and what your clients um how your clients have responded to little things you've done in in the process, um, and, that, and let me jump in that we we ask people who have started their own business in in the first couple of years because you're you're a good number of years in now in the first couple of years, what were the surprises? Um, I definitely think the time. I think anybody it doesn't matter what type or industry as a business you're in as a business owner. I think that um, the level in which you can let it consume you and can, because yeah. it, it becomes your passion. It becomes, um, it, it's very close and personal to you. And yeah. so, um, I, I've always had a strong work ethic. You know, I can thank my, my family for that. You know, you don't, you know, you do, you make a commitment, you, you see it completely through and you do it right. until the job's done. Like, you know, but very, right. you know, um, but I think one of the surprises I had was the, um, I underestimated the time commitment. Ah. However, um, when you're getting your business off the ground, you need you need that time commitment because you do have some surprises. Um, I think that you know building a team in the very beginning, mm. trying to find those who are going to you know be as passionate as you are in about the business. Yeah. Um, that's a lot easier said than done. And when you say a team, were they? Um contractors billable hours or did you take on a payroll early on i did after the second year wow. third year i took on um, an administrative assistant yep. and it one of the challenges i have definitely faced is um you know because while we cater to more high touch and, and luxury travel luxury travel meaning very hands-on and, and high sure, touch yeah, yeah. Right. um is really training someone to first you know one minute you're working in Africa the next year in Greece the next year working on it yeah. and so you know I'm used to making those quick changes and those quick transitions and so one thing that surprised me um, that I didn't I think think out as well as I thought of is you know to the average person coming in that can be very overwhelming right. Right. so what do you kind of fondly recall as kind of a milestone, a positive milestone in the first couple of years. It was this 
um, you know, family reunion in Italy. And it was like just a very, you know, emotional, meaningful trip mm. for a group of about 25. And you were the and central central piece, managing and, that. You know, and, traveled wow. with them there. So we did a little, which we did, wow. which was something that, you know, we did the destination management. We, we set up. We had people in destination that we worked with that were great. Right. Um, right. So to be able to actually be there, you know, most of the time we're designing the travel and send them on their way, and we're getting updates from our partners in destination on how everything is going, and we're always checking with our with our travelers. But to actually be there yeah. and see it firsthand, um, everything that kind of unfolded that we set up for them was pretty special. And I think that that gave me some good momentum. You know, so you've, right. the second, third year, you know, you have high expectations, yep. you get your goals set, and, you know, you need, like, a little pro- propel. <laughs> you need to yeah. propel into that fourth and fifth year. And, um, you know, that was validation that. What kinds of networks or partnerships have you found helpful as you've as you've grown in the business and become uh, more established? Um you know, two, um, two kind of two facets to that. The first will be certainly becoming affiliated with Virtuoso. Okay. Um, they have an incredible travel share of year in Las Vegas. Thousands and thousands of people travel from all over to be a part of it. Um, you're learning about other properties if you can't personally travel there and see them. So the hoteliers themselves, so their sales and marketing directors are, are there one-on-one. Um, you're learning, you're listening. Um, you have you know a lot of um, workshops and you're meeting with colleagues. And so those resources carry throughout the year um, with our virtuoso affiliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and also being here in Boston, we have a lot of people that come from all around the world right. um, to into our yeah. office to meet with our team to educate us on their destination, their property, their properties. Oh, okay. So um, we work very closely with hotel representation firms. Nice. Um, okay which is another aspect of the business, but they typically have a portfolio of very carefully selected properties um, that they become very well-versed on, and they bring it to us as, I guess, frontline sellers mm-hmm. of travel to educate us. It's all about it's all about networking and partnerships. Mm-hmm. They know you, you send clients, and they get you know that extra added level of, of, of service. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the other, the other thing that has... Um, is also been you know not looking at fellow advisors you know as competition and that's one thing mm-hmm. I've always held to that's been incredibly helpful for me is even if it's in the Boston here um, or if I'm traveling on a educational fam and yeah. we're with advisors from Texas or LA or New York um, yeah. we all are very free flowing with how we're running <laughs> our businesses we're all very supportive of each other we all realize it's a very you know it's it's a 24/7 job you right. know it can right. definitely it, it's all essentially at the end of the day it's client service so yeah. um, you know being very supportive of one another following each other that's that's great to hear and it's interesting to hear because as we have these conversations with people from all different professions all different walks of life um, some are described as being pretty competitive and pretty close to the best because everything is considered a competitive advantage and However, a few a few professions do come across as collaborative, mm-hmm. um, and that's really good to hear. For sure, and we we hear it a lot from our hotel partners that um, when they come to Boston, especially, they notice that when our advisors come together for partner events, oh. if they're not doing the individual meetings, they're hosting a dinner or a partner event. Um, 
they're always so impressed with. So, so what you're saying, it, how, does it seem unique to the Boston travel professional community? Um, I think so. I mean, this ah, is okay. where I've operated my business from the very get go, yeah, and yeah. Um, you know, you always hear that from from hotel partners and and mm. airline partners that you know we love coming to Boston because we're always supporting each other and making sure that they have if they haven't met with so and so from this travel firm, yeah, yeah. you should meet with them because they're really highly regarded and very successful. Nice, <laughs> so nice. we're very supportive. There's enough There's enough business to go around. Mm-hmm. You know, tra- everyone, everybody's always going to travel from a consumer standpoint. We met with um, this really beautiful property in France last week. You weren't available to meet with them. Let me tell you about it. Nice. So okay. just really have an information sharing and um, you know, seeing how things run on a corporate level and operational standpoint. Well, as you've built your business and, it, you know, just you know, establish yourself in the field. What do you look for in a travel professional? Um, well, there's really there's really two roles that we have um, within my company. And, you know, the first is, um, you know, they're on our payroll as a concierge professional. Concierge um, professional, okay. And second is um, from independent contractor or an independent travel advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first concierge, um, it's an area of specialization. So we're really looking for those, once we've designed the itinerary, um, for this professional to be well-versed in their destination. Um, they don't necessarily have to come to us with extensive travel through Europe, say for fulfilling the European concierge role. They don't necessarily have to have extensive travel, but um, you know, we provide training for them to understand you know, logistics, um, the properties that are there. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think the concierge concierge role within DA Luxury Travel is a good breakthrough role for somebody who is looking to get their feet wet a little bit because it it gives you direction. You're not it's not so aggressive where you're working with clients one on one selling properties that you don't really understand how the whole process works yet. Hmm. But what you are doing is you are working with clients after they've established the itinerary, the framework of the itinerary. Uh, okay. Just okay. really making dinner reservations, um, making sure that they're if we're setting them up for an architectural deep dive in Prague, that you know their guides are um, of like-mindedness and of that expert level, and okay. Um, okay. drivers, um, you know. Yeah. So the things you look for in that person are huge attention for detail. Okay. Um, okay. You know, our, you know, our clients want everything thought out for them ahead of time, not in an overscheduled sense, but just everything being incredibly detailed from pre-arrival preferences to, you know, names properly spelled, mm. timing. Mm. Um, everything is, is very well orchestrated. They don't, nothing kind of goes away. So very detail-oriented. Um, we love, you know, the come from a hospitality background, whether it's, right. um, you know, in, in restaurants or just customer service in general. Having that... Um, speaking eloquently, being very articulate, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to think outside the box, mm-hmm. you know, clients that we've had some really, um, you know, we do a lot of exclusive experiences, so we've had some really <laughs> off-the-cuff requests, and we've been able to, you know, fulfill them because we, we collaborate and we think outside the box, you know. One. Tell us about one unique experience. You know. We've done recently, we did um, Trevi, Trevi Fountain in Rome. Yeah, I don't know if you've been to the Trevi Fountain in Rome. When yeah, you, yes, when, yes. Yeah, yeah, when you yeah. look at it, it's the statue with the fountains. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's kind of in front of a building. Um, 
I've been there a few times, and I've never kind of noticed the building behind the whole fountain. You're just looking at the fountain, eating gelato, enjoying the scene. <laughs> never done that. Yeah. But we had a client wanting to propose, oh. and um, he wanted to do it in Rome, and he wanted to do something that was a little unique. So we were able to gain access into the building behind the Trevi Fountain. We had a photographer waiting down by the Trevi Fountain, um, and I never knew. Well, you know, I I, I didn't know this was possible as I. And when I have gone to the Trevi Fountain, I didn't know that. You, you can't see it, I guess. It's not. So they're escorted up <clears throat> to the back of the building. They didn't even, she didn't even know she was heading to the Trevi Fountain because of the way it was faced. All she knew oh. she was going through a building. They went up to the floor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we had their guide. They, she All she knew was a historical tour. And all of a sudden, the champagne was popped and the doors were open and she looks out in the Trevi fountain and everybody just I mean it's always packed and the photographer was down there kind of capturing her like right oh my right. gosh and it was this big I mean everyone was like who are they yeah, right, right. <laughs> it looked like a movie set and so we set that up and that was pretty special or yeah. you know we've had um a family <clears throat> that had um you know, their father was surprising their father in New Zealand. Her father, <clears throat> they spent their summers on Cape Cod and, you know, loved doing the lobster trap thing. So what mm-hmm. we did was they helicoptered from Queenstown over the glaciers and did a little aerial view of the glaciers. Then over the ocean, they pulled up lobster traps from, the, it's, it's really over the top kind of stuff, you from, know, pulled up traps lobster from traps from the helicopter oh, into the goodness. ocean. And then, you know, he laid down on a glacier where a chef was waiting for them and, you know, cracked open the lobster and cooked it, and it was like, you know, it was a, a 70th birthday surprise. So not everything has to be all that over the top all of the time, you know, right, or right. it's 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 about being strategic and positioning our clients at the right safari lodge to see the Great Migration mm-hmm. and, you know, in East, in East Africa. Yeah. Um, just kind of having that knowledge. or And so making sure that from a concierge standpoint, like, you know, the right people to talk to that are going to give you, yes, you know, our trackers mm-hmm. or guides, this is this timing is going to be right. You know, this location's good. So there's a lot of travel's not so straightforward. It's not just book this hotel, book this air and go, you know, it's really teeing up these really, um, cool experiences or clients having a deep love for architecture and they're heading to to Vienna. So they really want a guide who's expert level in architecture and, so making sure the matching matchmaking process. Mm-hmm. So. There's a company we work with a lot, Context Travel. They're mm. incredible, and they carefully, very carefully source their guides. And so they make sure, first and foremost, that they're engaging, and they point out instances exactly as you just described. Because um, I've been on tours myself, and, you know, it's just, it's almost like they're reading from a book, and it's their 10th tour yeah. that day. Yeah. And I've been there. Yeah. I've 100% been there. And so I know how deflating that can be um, when you're investing your time. And so um, we really we really spend a great deal of effort into making sure that those that we put will point out those they'll be more storytelling more engaging they're adaptable if Mm. you know maybe they're going off in a direction that's not of particular interest to you they can adapt and go in another direction so yeah Um, in your experience how important is language for a travel professional it's a great question you know it can only elevate you know it's not a necessity Um, we're fortunate enough that Everyone I communicate, mostly everyone I communicate to, everyone who's on the front line 
on the other side for hotel partners or destination management partners. The, the business of the travel business. is done in English. Mostly. Okay. And okay. I, when I travel to other countries, you know, especially Europe, yeah. um, whether it's just someone I'm meeting, you know, just a peer, doesn't have to be in, you know, in a professional sense, if you're just out talking to, to people in what, yep. whatever country yep. you're in, they speak multiple languages, you know, oh, and okay, I studied yeah. Spanish and I'm in Italy. I know enough to get by and oh, I know good, enough Spanish good. to have like a, to understand, but not engage in a very quick moving conversation. And, mm. um, you know, I have never, the, the handful of times we've come across a language barrier. I know someone who I can pull in to say, you know, you know, you speak Arabic. I don't, you know, the romance languages are one thing, but once you get out, out Ex of the romance languages. Oh, exactly. Right. So I have never, it has never posed a major challenge okay. um, to me in all of my time in the travel industry. I, I do think that um, as English-speaking Americans, I think it would be, it you know, we at least make the effort. When right. I address clients in other countries, I start the email off in their language so they understand. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like a nice little that, that's <laughs> gesture. Right. That's you're, everyone's encouraged to do it when you're interacting in, you know, in, in a destination. Yes. At least try the first sentence or phrase or whatever. Exactly. But, um, yeah. But we always make sure our clients have English-speaking guides as well. Oh. That's and drivers too. You know, you oh, realize, okay, especially yeah. when you land in a foreign country. So like little details, yeah. like like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Nice. Um, nice. But you had also asked from a travel professional, so that's the concierge role. But mm. if if someone is looking to say, okay, I'm ready. Um, I want to enter into this career. I want to be a travel professional. I want to be a travel advisor. Um, I want to work with clients. I want to design itineraries. Um, we've seen, I have colleagues from such a vast background, from whether, you know, professional athletes to being in the pharmaceutical space to being wow. a corporate attorney, school teachers. Um, we see people from all walks of life breaking into the business. Um, I think there's enough resources, and it's all about partnering and networking too. And yeah. um, it can be overwhelming to try to navigate when you're first. Okay, you made the decision. I want to be a travel professional. Um, but what we look for when um, you know we bring on an independent contract, independent mm -hmm. advisors, um, I think is definitely just a willingness to learn, especially about other cult cultures, um, understanding the hospitality and customer service standpoint. Um, and being able to interact with people on a very kind of, you know, kind level. You're working with people from all over the world. And, That's true. Um, That's true. Yeah. You, and you can start with that canvas, and from there you can you can take it. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, a couple more things. Um, you know, you started the business because the Internet was becoming kind of the overwhelming platform for this, for this work. So tell me about the role technologies played in the travel. The same software platform that has powered the travel industry for decades continues to power the the, the underlying software, oh. um, whether it's you know Sabre or Amadeus. Um, uh, it's yes. still like a global distribution system where airlines and hotels and you know advisors can sell off of this this platform. Where in the past it was like a very DOS kind of language. Now there's developed interfaces where it's a lot more user friendly. 
advisors, the new wave of advisors, aren't going to spend time learning GDS codes or spending time nurturing clients and partnerships right. and um, right. that high touch. That is why they go through us and not through online. So um, there's been really nice user interfriendly. Saber Red Space has been great for those new advisors. Um, but also from a from a consumer standpoint, you know, we're mm -hmm. lucky enough to live here in Boston, where it's a very innovative city. Um, there's a lot of startups here in Boston, um, especially in the travel in the travel space so we we're lucky enough to always have you know be surrounded by yeah. Yeah. innovation and from a technology standpoint uh, we always like to make sure that we're staying on top of technology on both the back end and both on how we provide our clients with their itineraries uh, okay. there's, there's yes. a great yeah. new tool that just came out access AXUS, it's a great itinerary builder on the back end but our hmm. clients have everything at their fingertips it's very um it's very user-friendly, very straightforward, all details. Yep. It's all life-synced yep. with the airlines. They're constantly taking feedback from our advisors on how to evolve the app, continually build it and build it. Um, so there's a lot of good technology out there for travel from both the back end and on the consumer side. So what, what I hear is that really um, your clients get the best of both worlds. They get, yes. they get the benefits <laughs> of a mature technology environment, um, and they get the local knowledge, the high touch, the the opportunity to to find the kind of off the beaten path destinations and, and make sure that they're kind of well well handled while they're going places that don't have a lot of infrastructure is kind of what I'm thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know that's and that's I think that has, you know, been a challenge making sure you're staying very innovative but authentic in the same time. In the mm. same, you know, so well well yeah, said. Yeah. Well, so it's huh. it, it's a challenge but, you know, it's as I said, we're lucky enough to live here in Boston with a lot of great thought leaders and thought thinkers and um, yeah. innovation, and so you're surrounded by it. So, <laughs> What do you see uh, on the horizon for the travel industry and for how you want your business to navigate? It's, you know, each generation I have found, not to, to get generational from a consumer standpoint, mm -hmm. standpoint you know, sources how they travel, um, some in a collective kind of way, some, you know, it, it might be social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that's how they're sourcing travel inspiration. It mm -hmm. could be video content. Um, it could mm -hmm. be, you know, travel inspiration shows. It could be social circles. Um, yeah. It could be cultural immersion. So many different platforms and where consumers are being inspired by travel. Yeah. Um, and staying on top of them and trying to be have your fingers in all of them is virtually impossible. It, it can be pretty difficult. You know, we stay very... Um, up to date, we inspire guests with our social media. Whether or not they're finding us in social media, no. But it's a great layer to have underneath, like our, you know, our front yeah. line to say, yeah. you know, this is this is where we're going. This is what we love. This is why we love it. Um, and so it's it's just like that added layer, I guess, of 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 inspiration. But um, if I can just stay with that for a minute, so so how much of that do you have to do on on behalf of? DA luxury travel and how much of that is you can draw off of um, virtuoso or other places because you're you're the owner you're the I am the know, owner. So how it's about building the team. You know, we've got okay. a great team right now. I have a woman um, who handles our social media. Ah, okay. She is a okay. world traveler. Every three months, she's somewhere new. Um, she <laughs> loves the business. She, yep. you know, she's in Vietnam right now. Oh, um, right. If I'm traveling, I'm constantly sending her photos and giving her quick snippets of what I'm doing and what I'm up to and what where I'm inspecting. Okay. Um, or if I'm not traveling, we'll do little Instagram journeys. 
this has been a great discussion. I think just to wrap up, any final thoughts on at a high level where the field is going, the travel profession is going, and what would someone need to do to be successful in this in this field? The role, specifically the role of the travel advisor, mm. is um, it's evolved so much, and it's really at a point where um, consumers are really seeking out advisors to offer that high-touch, white-glove service. Um, it's almost like a hybrid of a travel advisor, a concierge, and a lifestyle manager. Oh. Um, I think that you know travel advisors can expect to start, um, you know building long-term relationships with their clients you know mm. as their families grow as in, they grow as individuals as their careers I I grow you as their travel advisor grow with them it's not a one-off you know, journey planning experience yeah, yeah. any longer um you're really kind of their lifestyle consultant throughout many different stages of their life and so it's very important to focus on building those long-term relationships and you know that's something that um i think if you have that ability and um you have that instinct. I think you know. You, there's so many resources out there to learn about travel and how to source it and how to always design it better and seek out those hard to find insider access. Um, and it's all about partnering. You can't be afraid to partner. You have to partner to be successful in this business. Um, you have to you know you have to be open to conversations with fellow travel advisors, to hotel partners, ask questions. Um, don't be afraid to be skeptical. Make sure you're working with well-vetted partners. Mm. Um, yeah. And so it's a lot of exhaustive research outside of the client-facing part of it. So just be prepared to, I mean, at the end of the day when I sit and I turn on a show or I pick up a magazine, um, you know, do I want to read about travel? I do that all day long, you know. But you, you, you've got to see where consumers are getting their information from. Right. And um, right. and it's and it's just how you're wired and it's a natural interest of yours so it's it probably doesn't feel like work all the time exactly right. and pay attention to the data too um mm -hmm. you know it's such travel advisor it sounds as i'm describing this that it's more of like in a you know an emotional relationship building role it's not really you know one thing that we do is we real, really analyze our data we look at where people are traveling um how long they're traveling for how where the, how many days you're spending in each um you know per night spend so data plays a huge role because time is money and so you want to make sure that you are putting your time into the right client the right place right um and, and that they're getting real value for their spend for their investment as well exactly yeah, nice. exactly nice. so that's one thing that um hmm. when essentially you're everything is built on your time um, yeah. you know, to report and, and analyze your data. And that's one thing that has propelled our business is nice. really, really overanalyze. Well, but, <laughs> but having the, the way I hear it is you have a lot of the qualitative interactions and qualitative right. judgments about, about destinations and suitability for different clients and their interests as, as, as and to your point, as they're, lives and families evolve, mm -hmm. so the qualitative part is very much there, interpersonal, et cetera, um, but there's a quantitative part. A hundred percent. And that's important uh, as well, and probably more important as time goes forward. So nice. For sure. One absolutely final last question. Where are you going next? <laughs> you mean destination or in my career? No, I don't. <laughs> destination, destination. Uh, well, on this rainy, dreary day, I'm thinking somewhere with sunshine, anywhere with sunshine. But <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, you know, from um, 
I am checking out the Winnie Van in a couple of weeks. It's a local little gem in Connecticut, but it's got a really say that again. Say the that. Winnie Van in Connecticut. Okay. A couple of our uh, fellow travel advisors oh. in the Northeast are going to spend a night there. So we pay attention to the domestic yep. gems too. Yep. Um, but from a career standpoint, um, you know, I think that we really. Yeah, having started in the business and being now in the business for as long as I have, I'm really excited about the fact that it's um, it's got this like renewed interest from a travel advisor, and there's a lot hmm. more. I'm not seeing it as competition rolling in. I'm seeing it as, um, you know, aha, like finally, you know, people understand and respect the role of the travel advisor and I'm really excited for those who are transitioning in um, and so I see us here at DA Luxury Travel really taking on um, you know more team members you know building our our collective mm-hmm. our you know our collective of like-minded people who love to travel love to you know work with clients in designing travel and so um, really building that up I think nice. is where the, I see the the next stage of the of the business going is just really continuing to build our team and um, continuing to learn and how we can do things better each time yeah so nice well it's been great I really appreciate your time uh, yeah. Kristen Chambers um, DA luxury travel and where can people find mo- more about you on the web um, our website is www.daluxurytravel.com uh, you can find us our social media handles are all DA luxury travel okay. and um, you can find us we're in the back bay stop in say hello our office address is on the on the site nice so. Kristen thank you again it's been great thank you thank you Kevin Thank you.